Support for the Big O Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement today for all of your below-the-waist grooming needs. On today's episode, I am joined by three-time champion on MTV's The Challenge, Kenny Santucci. We talk about him traveling the world while competing on The Challenge, what MTV didn't show us from the epic wrestling match against CT, Kenny also discusses the fallout from the alleged incident that led him to not returning to future seasons of the show, and how a love for personal fitness fueled his desire to start his own gym, Strong New York. All this, plus much more, on the Big O Podcast. Welcome back for another episode of the Big O Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Ortiz, and today I am joined by one of the OGs of reality television competition, three-time champion on MTV's The Challenge, owner and creator of Strong New York, Mr. Beautiful himself, Kenny Santucci. Kenny, how are you doing today? Buddy, I couldn't be better. You know, um, over the past year has just uh, kind of hardened my mind and my soul and just made me a little bit better and i hope that if that for uh for everyone else out there you know if, if you're feeling vulnerable if you're feeling weak you know that's why i started strong new york there's no substitute for strength you know everything that you think is affecting you that hurts your feelings or you feel left out of use that as a fucking tool use that as another peg to climb the board you know, people see you a successful, you know, owner of a gym. You've been on television. Like you're in amazing shape before the podcast. You said, you know, at your age now, you feel stronger and better shape than you were even 10 years ago. But even you mentioned, you know, having some challenges when it comes to mental health and understanding what true anxiety was for someone yeah. who never had anxiety before that. What was what was that journey like experiencing something so stressful two weeks into the beginning of COVID? You know, it- one of the th- one of the hurdles that I've had to get over, you know, people look at me and they're always like, well, he was always in shape. Oh, he owns a gym. He's super into this, blah, blah. I was a fat kid. That's why I constantly put up pictures of me being a fat kid because I'm like, I was insecure. I felt uncomfortable. I still do, right? We all deal with this shit. You know, everyone, I don't know anybody in my family, my friends, who doesn't have depression, who doesn't get upset about things, who doesn't think life is hard, you know? So when you amplify it or you're looking for sympathy from it, it's like everyone's dealing with the same thing. The same way we all need water and food and comfort is the same way everyone else does. So you can't say your problems are any harder than anybody else. So for me, it's like, yeah, I've dealt with some shit. I don't care to fucking cry about it every day. It's like you either use them as a tool to make you better or you curl up in a ball and cry and hope that somebody feels bad for you. You know, and you can, and nowadays people are more encouraged to be the victim and cry about shit and everything else. But the ones who are really going to stand the test of time are the ones who are, you know, manning up and doing what they need to do or womaning up, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Cause I don't want anybody getting upset about it. Um, but you know, it, it's just, it is what it is. You, we just need to get stronger to deal with this shit. No more than ever before has it been more relevant to kind of discuss, I love zombie movies, right? And when you watch The Walking Dead or you watch Dawn of the Dead or any of these movies, you see people moving through life 
just listening to bullshit. Like it's not, yes, you're not, you don't have gore hanging off, off half your face, but you're just a fucking zombie to the bullshit, you know? And when you start prioritizing yourself, making yourself better and doing what's best for you, then you, then you, there's hope on the other side of being a fucking zombie. You know? 100%. I mean, it's a hive mentality that we have been sucked into right now where we're more followers than we are leaders. Uh, mm-hmm. You posted a picture the other day uh, about getting after it. And I think I commented, don't talk about it, like be about it. And that's really what it is. You know, if you have something that you're, you know, having a challenge with, whether it's, you know, working out or getting into shape or, you know, being mentally healthy, start working towards a healthier lifestyle or healthier mind frame. But constantly, as you said, you know, being the victim, it doesn't help anybody. It just continues to be the excuse and the crutch that you get to lean on rather than trying something and maybe not being successful. What kind of things do you see in your line of work right now with people who tend to make more excuses rather than be about it? Dude, I, I, you know what? I think you learn a lot of what you need to learn being a trainer, uh, you know, right away right? Everybody kind of knows how to use certain equipment. Everybody knows what type of workouts they should be doing. You know, how you dose it out kind of becomes the art form, right? It's easy to kind of take paint to a canvas and make something halfway decent, but it takes a true artist to make a masterpiece, right? So over time, it's like, I've been doing this for 10 plus years and it takes time to make a masterpiece and I'm still learning. I'm still getting better at it. And one of the skills, one of the, you know, the the special brushes that I've learned to use is how to uh, convince people to start moving and to start working out and to, uh, you know, not encourage bad behavior, right? There, everybody needs their own little kind of gateway drug, right? Some people start with marijuana. Other people start with steroids or cocaine or whatever the fuck it is. Right. But everybody kind of goes down that little fucking drug journey. It's the same thing with the gym. Whatever gets you started. If you like doing Zumba because you like fucking dancing, sure, do that. You know, and that becomes the gateway to like, oh my God, I feel better. I look better. If I keep going with this, how much better could this feel? Right? It's the most natural drug in the world. Some people start with bodybuilding or running or, you know, CrossFit, whatever it may be. There's some gateway drug that gets you addicted to it and you have to keep running with it because it's a lifelong journey. You know, it's it's something that becomes uh, more of a daily hygiene thing, right? You take a shower every day, you brush your teeth every day, you hit the gym every day. And now what, what I try to explain to people is that it's the consistency over time. It's not the one workout, right? So this right. beast mode, go hard every day, these jerk offs, like backflipping on treadmills and all that bullshit. It, it, for the average person, that's highly out of their fucking you know, scope of what they could do. So for most people, it's like, here, what do you like doing? Start with 10 minutes a day of you know, yoga, right. Or whatever it is, right. Everybody has something. And I think this, this past year has freaked out a lot of people into like, Oh my God, I should start doing something. I don't know what it is. So I try to make it easier on them and try to convince people like you doing nothing is terrible. Right. You doing something. If I'm trying to drive across the country and I put a little gas in my car, right. It's going to get me further than I put no gas in. Sure. Right. Yep. So if you're trying to get a little bit further in your journey, if you fill the car up but and you're over flooding it, bro, then you got a problem. Right? right. Put in a little gas at a time and you'll get a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further. Right. Fill up the tank. Do what you need to do. Get that 20 minutes in, because most of the time, 
Most people who've never done anything only need 15, 20 minutes, get a little sweat going, get some circulation going. Think about what's going on in your body. I've been explaining this to people the whole time. Your body's what? 70% of water. Yep. Water. Water. Everybody knows that, right? So if I give you a glass of water, put it in front of you and left it there for four or five days, what happens? Bacteria builds up. There's some shit sediment at the top. There's some shit. And what happens when I shake it up, right? Yeah. It starts to flow. So what, what, what's the difference between a stagnant river and like a flowing river, right? It's just moving. It's alive. There's things and there's things going on. So if your body is 70% water, then shaking it the fuck up every once in a while will make it just that much cleaner and that much better. So if you think about your body like that, right? If, if, if you need to get it going, if it's meant to be moved like a river, like a stream, whatever it is, then you need to do that on a daily basis. When you tell people to sit inside all day and do nothing, and the average American gained 20 pounds over the past year, it's crazy. That's oh, crazy. You're, you're encouraging bad behavior. Oh, it's safe. No, you're, you're fucking people even more, right? It's, it's the risk versus reward. Where there's a chance of them getting sick and dying, which is a very small percentage, and you know exactly who they were. And then there's other people who are just going to get sick, right? About the same amount, maybe a little higher than what the flu would get people sick, right? So to me, it's like risk versus reward, right? What what am I, what am I really risking here? And what do I get out of continuing to live my life? I keep my mental health. I keep my physical health. And there's a there's a chance of me getting sick. And if I do get this, whether it's now or six months from now, it's going to be the same result, right? Yeah. Got them fucking either drop dead in this thing, which, all right. I hope not. Yeah, no, but at the same time, right? You, every day we do things that cause cancer. If you sit in the sun too long, you're going to get skin cancer. If you smoke cigarettes, you're going to get lung cancer. If you eat too much shit, you're going to get liver cancer. Wh- whatever it is, like there's so much shit. There's not a thing on the planet. We eat it like a credit card's worth of plastic a day from like right. water bottles and all this bullshit. We're constantly killing ourselves, right? So we're allowing people to choose to jump out of an airplane, jump off a cliff, have a thousand kids, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, right. Is there's risk and reward, right? So let people choose, you know, the way they're going to go. Right. The only person, the only person who, you know, everybody's getting the vaccine and stuff and everybody's like, Oh, it's super important. If you, everyone else is vaccinated and you don't get vaccinated, the only person who dies, if you do either way is you it's like wearing a seatbelt if i'm driving down the street and i get thrown from the car unless somebody's standing in front of me and i you know cannonball into them the only person who's dying is me right so yes it's good to encourage people to good make good decisions but i think there's a lot of other good decisions that we're avoiding like eating healthier exercising those things are you know we're, we're trying to handle the the aftermath but why don't we just kill the snake at the head, right? Why don't we handle the real problem? Yeah. So. I mean, and you talk about a healthy mindset, healthy, healthy lifestyle. And more often than not, these are not things that you pick up, you know, from one day to the next. You can, and it's like you said, a little bit of gas in the tank gets you started. You don't need to go from zero to 100, you know, in one day. But for someone like you who back in the day wrestled in high school and in college at Montclair State University, 
where such notable alumni include the pie connoisseur himself, Jason Biggs, Mr. Action movie star Bruce Willis, comedian, yep. singer, and MTV personality, and previous guest on this show, Justina Valentine, and of course, Hall of Fame catcher for the New York Yankees, Yogi Berra. If there was a line dedicated to describing you or something that will you'll be remembered for, what would that line be? There's no substitute for strength. Okay. All right. That's I like that. Explain yeah, that a, tag a little line. bit. It's a, it's a tagline for my brand. Like you, you can't fake it. There's no substitute, right? If you're strong, right? If you're physically strong, you know, I, I've done so many things in my life that have, you know, the physical has led to the mental and emotional, right? If I could overcome, if I could run a 20 mile race, then I know I could run a 30 mile race. And with that mindset, I'm like, well, then, you know, doing, starting a business or doing anything like that is, is easy, right? If I could overcome these things physically, you know, that's why like, uh, you know, military personnel, like Navy SEALs and stuff, they're doing all this stuff physically, you know, they're drowning them. They're, they're keeping them up all night. They're wading in the water. They're swimming four or five miles. When you start to do those things physically, they lead to so many other things, right? If you could get as mentally sure, some of the best speakers right now, like everyone that everybody thought David Goggins, yeah. Tim Kennedy, right? All these guys are, they're all former Navy SEALs, uh, Josh Bridges, right? Yep. All these guys have hardened their minds through physical activity. You know, um, I, I'm nowhere on that level, but even like UFC players, like these guys are like, you, you're going in there with someone else who wants to kill you, right? And that's what wrestling taught me, right? I'm going on the mat and this other guy wants to throw me to the ground and pin me. Yeah. I now have to fight him off, right? That's my job. That's my goal, right? Um, and I, I love, that's why I love this sport of wrestling and jujitsu, you know, any combat sport is because you could be a part of a team, right? You got a, you got a, a group of people in your, in your corner. You got a, a couple of people standing behind you helping out. Um, but at the end, the only person you have to blame is yourself. Right. So you get out there. Yeah. And you get out there and it's accountability and consistency, right? Have I done everything up to this point to make sure I'm the safest, best version of myself? So it's the same thing with business. Have I done everything in my power to make my business as successful as this? Have I done everything in my power to be the best father that I could? Have I done everything in my power to be the best employee that I could? Right. And there's a lot of times where it's like, I fucked up. I fucked up a thousand and one times. There's a hundred things I fucked up on. And, but the things that I really wanted to do well, or the things I really wanted, I did everything I could up to that point to be successful. And if I lost, I'm like, all right, well, I still really want this. So I got to go and try for it again. You know, and you listen to the most successful people on the planet. They'll all say the same shit. Right. And I'm not saying I'm a successful guy. I'm not. I'm far from where I want to be, but I, I know the recipe and I won't stop. Right. Yeah. I mean, and one of the important things there is that you're continuing to build and you're continuing to work towards your goal. You're not making excuses for not being there just yet. You understand that there is a roadmap to what you need to do and you're following along that trail. Now you brought up the military, which I think is very interesting because most people in university envision traveling the world before strapping into their career. 
your plan was actually to join the military. Instead, you managed to travel to places like Australia, Brazil, South Africa, Mexico, Panama, Thailand, even here in Canada, Costa Rica, and Argentina, all on someone else's dime while also racking up a little bit of cash for your pocket. When you started your challenge journey, did you think that you'd be competing in eight shows over the next five years? No, no, I didn't. Uh, You know, I kind of went into it just thinking like, ah, this is something I'm going to try out. I'm going to fuck around. You know, I was right out of college. I'm like, I'll give it a whirl and see how it goes. I never thought they'd bring me back. On my first show, I had a girl from back home, so I wasn't drinking I wasn't like the crazy wild one. I didn't really have much of a story. That's where the whole Mr. Beautiful thing came from. Like people break my balls about it all the time. But it was like a joke. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm here. Like I'm not that interesting. I'm not some like closet booze bag or, you know, I got all these fucking emotional problems and stuff. You know, yeah, I'm a former fat kid. Maybe I have a loud mouth sometimes. But, you know, at the end of the day, for me, it was just, I just played the game the way I would play it. Right. The right. only thing I knew was my dad was a, a Marine. He was a cop. He was a disciplinarian at a school in North New Jersey. Right. I just grew up around a guy who I wasn't allowed to cry in front of. I wasn't allowed to complain in front of. It was just like, get shit done. Right. right. So that's all I knew. Right. And all my coaches through high school and college were always, you know, I don't give a fuck what goes on. Just get shit done. Right. Right. Find a way or make a way. And that's the way I grew up. That's all I knew. So I went into the challenge thinking, doing that. And year after year, challenge after challenge, they invited me back and wanted me back. And, you know, it was kind of cool towards the end because everybody's like, dude, don't want to see this kid in the final. He will fucking kill people. Yeah. And that's how I was. It's like, I'm not very skilled. I'm not very athletic, you know, but I do. I, I won't give up. Like, that's why I relate to certain people who kind of preach that mentality. Like, all I have is grit. That's all I got. And I got to run with that. I don't have the ability to do some of the other shit. I'm not super strong. And I'm not, like, even in CrossFit. Like, the only reason I was halfway decent when I would do CrossFit competition was because I refused to give up. Like, when I saw somebody else slowing down, that's when I would speed up. But I was never really that strong. I was never really that good at gymnastics. You know, so for me, it's that's all I had. Yeah, you'd be described in like, you know, football terms as like a blue collar player who brings their lunch, you know, a packed lunch every day to work. You're just there to do the grind. You're there because you're going to succeed one way or another. You don't need to have, as you said, some like illustrious backstory or pander to, you know, being on television. Now, you did debut on season 12 of The Real World uh, Road Rules Challenge Fresh Meat, which was the first time that MTV actually casted non-Real World or Road Rules participants. What made you want to apply to be on an MTV television show? And what was the audition process like? Uh, well, I started back in uh, my senior year of college. I was dating a girl I used to work at this nightclub with. Um, she was a huge fan of the show. And she's like, hey, you know, there's a tryout in Syracuse, New York. Do you want to go with me? And I, was, I said to her, I was like, there's nothing closer. Like, we can't go to Manhattan. Like, <laughs> there's nothing in, like, fucking New York City we can go to. And uh, she's like, no, we got to go to Syracuse. So I'm like, sure, let's go. Let's go to Syracuse. Uh, and that's how it happened. It was like the show I originally cast it for was the real world Austin. Right. You know? um, so for me, I, I thought I was going on a real world. And it's like, 
I got through the interview process and I was a finalist for the real world Austin. And then they said they had a change of heart. They pulled me off the cast or some bullshit like that. And, you know, they were like, you know, we'll call you back for the next season. And they called me back for Key West. And at the time I just started, uh, just kind of started working this new, uh, this job I had. Uh, I had a girlfriend, you know, I was supposed to thank God I didn't get on that show because I would have left the January of my senior year of college. And I would, at this point, I would probably never finish college. Um, so I remember my mom saying like, oh, you didn't get it. You know, every, there's a silver lining to everything, right? Uh, and that's one of the things I think about. I was like, I would have never finished college. I would have not done that. Um, but then they called me back for Key West. I would have left in like May or June of that same year. It was 2005, maybe or 2004. And then they called me back for the challenge. And they're like, hey, listen, it's an athletic competition. You can win some money, blah, blah, blah. So that's how they enticed me. So I'm like, I'm fresh out of, you know, college yeah. wrestling. You know, I'm like, oh, shit, I, I could do pretty well at this. You know? Now, you pass up, you get passed on for Texas. You pass up Key West. And then your first show, you're packing a bag, going to Australia for... Yeah fresh meat what was that experience like knowing that you were going to be competing for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you were getting a plane ticket booked to australia and in your mind you know you being a d3 athlete a wrestler that there aren't probably going to be anybody who's at the same athleticism as you at least in your mind what was that process like did you know from the beginning i'm taking this down nothing is going to stop me the only thing that i would be uh kind of bothered by if I lost was some sort of like wrestling or kind of combat thing. You know, now granted at the time UFC wasn't that big. People weren't boxing as much like Darrell was on there. He was a boxer, but I'm like, sure. He might hit me a couple of times, but I'll take him to his back for sure. Yeah. Right. And we, and me, him and De- uh, Derek would always wrestle and stuff. We'd always fuck around. Uh, but for me, I'm like, all right, I could do this. And, and like kind of just a long, that's when I, I had already started doing endurance running. Right. stuff like that so i'm like i know like when they're like oh the, the finish line's 10 miles away i'm like no fucking problem 10 miles i'll do <laughs> that myself i'll do that myself i'll do it without warming up i'll fucking run outside right now and do 10 miles like i'm not worried about 10 miles um and then we had to carry these sandbags so i'm like unless somebody else is really you know cracker jacket this shit there's nobody gonna beat me at this and then we ended up losing i should have won that season we were crushing and we couldn't figure out the puzzles. So we, we, we fucked up on that puzzle and yeah, we couldn't drop it back. Had we been able to drop that back, we would have crushed that season, you know? Uh, and we won, I got it, I went into the elimination twice at that time. Yeah, we figured out all the other puzzles. It was like one puzzle towards the end. I ended up buying the, uh, that pegboard that we lost on. And I would oh, play wow. with that. I would play with that all the fucking time. Um, but that's what, yeah, I mean, the, the only times I ever lost were on, was on shit like that. Yeah. You know? So, um, I lost on the, uh, I lost on, uh, the duel, which was the only time I ever got sent home. You know, I, I was reading something, somebody put up something the other day and tagged me in it and Johnny, Kara and CT all been to nine finals. Yeah. I was in seven, seven out of eight. It is time to talk about below the waist grooming. It has never been easier to take care of your package. And thanks to Manscaped, they have all of the necessary tools for your family jewels. 
Let's be honest, the last 18 months have been tough on everyone, but as we begin to return to normalcy, it is time that we ensure that when we finally unveil ourselves, we are looking and feeling our absolute best. Nothing says I came to play like a clean cut workspace. Ladies, if you didn't receive the Mother's Day gift that you wanted, take control and get your man the tools to succeed so he can take care of your every need. With Father's Day just around the corner, Manscaped has got you covered with the best precision engineered tools. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team have perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever with the Lawnmower 3.0. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower, and one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. If you're watching or listening to this right now, I want you to click the link in the description and experience it for yourself firsthand. That's why Manscaped is offering 20% off and free shipping when you use the code THEBIGO20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping. Just click the link in the description below and head over to manscaped.com. Make sure you use the code THEBIGO20. Your balls will thank you. I'm, so, I'm, I'm going to get to that in a little bit yeah. because it's one of my like what if Bo Jackson type of moments. But, you know, yeah. viewership, viewership for me for MTV The Challenge started with The Duel. So it was your second MTV show, which if you look back now has an absolute like who's who of challenge greats. And I know yeah. you haven't watched recent seasons of the show, um, but, you know, it's definitely changed since your days. Things like loyalty and trust have gone out the window. Now people are more inclined to create the most viral moments for internet clout. Could you play in today's game the way that you used to play? Do you think you would have had as much success now as you did when you were at the top of your challenge career? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to think so. You know, there was, uh, you kind of create the environment. Like, that's why we would always make jokes about the mob and stuff. Because, you know, we, we ran it like a family. Like you could bank on the fact that, you know, I hate the idea that when people bring up the whole Paula thing, you know, there was a backdoor deal that was made with her where she was going to get paid out and shit and she just needed to shut the fuck up. But obviously, like, some people made attention and, you know, she created this whole big rigmarole around it. But, you know, it was, you know, you ride with us, you die with us. You know, yeah. that's kind of how it was. And we took care of each other. And, you know, if the ship was sinking, you know, if Johnny was going down, it's like we were going down with him. I was cutting when I knew his head was on the chopping block. I was there trying to rally people and boats for him. Right. That's that's how we rode. That's how we did everything. Um, you know, you could really see it in like rivals. Like we controlled every boat. We knew everything that was happening. Um, so I think it's just a matter of, Everybody, right? Everybody wants to have family, right? Everybody yeah. wants to be, I feel like they're a part of the clique. Everybody wants to feel like they're in the in crowd. Um, and when you could truly provide that for people, I think magic starts to happen. And I was very good about being like, hey, you're on this fucking side. Fuck you. And we're on this side. 
And people always took that as like, you're being a dickhead. I'm like, no, I'm being black and white. That's how more people should be. Don't, right. you know, jerk me off with sandpaper and tell me it's a, it's a good time. Right. It, you're lying. I know you're lying. Right. I knew who my people were. I yeah. took care of my people. And, and there was, even when they screwed me over, like there was a couple of times on freshman too, I knew that people were going to do something behind my back. And I go, don't worry. I'll, I'll be the better man. I'll extend the olive branch and take care of it. You know? And people are like, Oh my God, even when I fuck them over, I'll me out. I should just really kind of change my ways. Right. And so that was the thing. Like I, I always tried to do, I always tried to make the better play. I always tried to make the righteous play. And I let, I gambled on myself a lot. Right. right. Even in the freshman too. I'm like, I'll go, I'll show everybody. I'll come back and win this. I, I remember talking to Laurel. We were driving to the second elimination we were going to. And I said to her, I'm like, we got this. Don't worry. I was like, even if we lose, we can't because we will crush everybody here. You know, and I I banked on the fact that me and her, you know, even myself, I'm like, I'll take care of everything. Don't worry. I'll make sure the boats go the way we need to. I'll make sure. And I, I put a lot of it, and I think that's what it was. It was like kind of an ownership. I took ownership of like, if I lost, it was my fault. If I won, it was my fault, you know? Um, and I think that's, that's what made me successful. And I, I, I think I would, I'd fare pretty well. I mean, I don't know how at 38, I mean, I need a little bit more sleep than I used to, you know? Um, but I, I feel good. You know, there are days I go into the gym and I'm like, I feel like I'm the best I've, I've ever been. You know, I love the, uh, the Toby Keith song. I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm good once as I ever so, you know, give me that, give me that one shot, and I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I knock it in. Yeah, I'd, I'd be willing to put money on a thirty-eight-year-old Kenny to still go back because I don't think it's just about the physicality. I think the mental side of any major competitive show is as equal to being, you know, the, the physical beast that is. Because we've seen so many people in recent shows that are you know physically gifted and have a terrible mental game and they're one of the first people to go or they're the ones who crap out in the middle of a final granted they make it to a final but still they just don't have the mental fortitude to take them over the hill and you know you mentioned it earlier i'll call it the pantheon of amazing accolades eight mtv show challenges seven finals including six consecutive finals made with three wins in there you know if you you said before the podcast you're not you know a big sports fan but you appreciate great athletes if you had to create or sorry if you had to have an athlete comparison to your level of success on the challenge you know who might that be um again i'm not a huge uh, sports guy so i don't know a lot but uh you know i would say if i were to create a um a Mount Rushmore of great athletes that I admire from what they've done. Right. I don't, I don't study the the game, right. Like the seasons and watching sure. yeah, gambling on and stuff, but I admire certain athletes. And obviously like you have to put Tom Brady up there. Like it doesn't matter what team he's playing for. I mean, the guys, you know, the, there was the deflate gate and all that bullshit. And I'm like, he still won. Even when they pumped up the balls more and did all the most, this guy's still winning. Right. Um, obviously Michael Jordan, like I just, after watching, I always liked Michael Jordan, but after watching his, uh, that special that they had, Oh yeah, yeah. The last dance. 
the last dance. I'm like, this, I, he, I love him. I love, like, he's my favorite athlete by far. Like, he never, here's, here's what we talked about. He never made excuses. He put the team on his back. He never, you know, whined about shit. He just did what he had to do. He was, he never got involved in the bullshit. He was Michael Jordan, right? He was the best, hands down, the greatest athlete, in my opinion, right? He was one of those guys, it's like, everybody's, oh, he sucked at baseball. I'm like, nah, he's pretty good. I mean, he's, he, he almost made it to the, right? Didn't he play for the White Sox for a little bit, even if he was on the team? So, so he played double A, but what people seem to forget is that had Michael Jordan continued to play baseball out of college, he would have been a major leaguer. Like his yeah. numbers, people people get caught up with watching Space Jam and seeing the version of Michael Jordan for that White Sox team not be great and striking out. He was actually a really good baseball player. And had he decided to not go back to basketball, likely would have made the White Sox at some point in the near future and at least done way better than Tim Tebow did for the New York Mets. So, I mean, sure. pe- people need to pump their brakes on, on shitting on MJ, not being yeah. a great baseball player. Cause it couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. Like I, I, listening to him talk, I was, I was like fascinated with just the way he was. And like, I love that. He's always got the glass of scotch with him and the cigar. <laughs> like, he's just like, here he is this premium athlete. He always did what he had to do for, you know, the fans and stuff. It was just, I, I wish I could be half the, the guy he is. You know, you, you watch somebody like him and I just admire every step that he took, everything that he did, the things that he said, you know, it would be like Michael Jordan, uh, obviously Tom Brady. Um, you know, I, I probably sound like a chick right now because I don't know a ton of athletes. Uh, <laughs> but like, I love like Bo Jackson. Like Bo Jackson was one of these people. It's like, here he was, he never really trained. You know, he was just a natural freak athlete. He played two sports. You know, he, he only tore his hamstring because he was moving so goddamn fast. Like he, he was too strong for his own body. You That's know, it. these are these are guys where you're looking at them and you're like, oh my god, they're so impressive. You know, um, uh, I always liked, uh, you know, and I like the shit talkers. I like the Deion Sanders guys. You know, like they, they make it entertaining. The Floyd Mayweather's, right? Yep. Floyd Mayweather's fight every time you watch him. Right? I like combat sports. Every time you watch him, you're never like, oh, man, that was a great fight. No, he just does such a great hype job before the fight. You know, um, I would obviously put Mike Tyson up there. Like, I loved Mike Tyson. I could watch, like, his old fights every night. If I'm not watching, like, old boxing matches, I'm watching, um, you know, old wrestling matches. Um, and I admire, you know, the – the attitude that he had he went in there, he did business. He was half the size of most of the guys he fought and yep. rocked up. And then, uh, you know, as much as people don't say it's a sport, I'm a big wrestling fan. I've always been. Um, and I would put, uh, you know, Ric Flair up there. You know, here's a guy at 70 years old. He's still fucking going out there, letting people drop him through chairs and tables and shit. And, you know, to me at a young age, at, you know, 15, 13, 14, 15 years old, the height of like the attitude era and stuff, I was watching it and I would, I was just so drawn in by these guys like Mr. Perfect. And, uh, you know, when the NWO came along, the attitude that these guys had and the way they carried themselves and how good they were on the mic. I'm like, he's not only a great athlete because look at the shape he's in, look at the things that he could do night after night after night. Yep. But he's also charismatic as hell, 
right? Like to be that good on a microphone. There are so many people that admire the things that Ric Flair did. Like, no, he wasn't throwing touchdowns or running uh, around the bases and scoring, you know, home runs and shit. But this dude was, you know, talking shit every night. You know, he, he was just as good of an athlete as anybody else. Like I admire everything that he did. You know, like somebody like the ultimate warrior, like I have so much ultimate warrior shit. Like here, <laughs> this, I'm going to show you this. You're going to love this. You're either going to love it or think I'm a loser for it. This. Oh, the Funko pop. Let's go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I have a hard. Yeah. So, but like, it's kind of my like uh tribute to all things uh, that I love. Like I, I love, it's not even just the, the idea of Star Wars and the movies. It's, it's the creativity and what it took to create. Like people take for granted uh, the, the costumes and the ideas and everything that went into building these characters. And they're iconic, right? Yeah. Everybody knows who Rick Flair is now, right? They're, there's rap songs about him. There, he's, he's, a, he's a pop culture figure, you know? Yeah, so, I mean... Ric Flair I absolutely love and I mean you hit on a really good point you know I could probably name the 10 wrestlers who could take a microphone with no script when something went off cue and could carry the show for five or ten minutes if they absolutely needed to yeah you know that that is not that the rock is up there Stone Cold is up there you know Ric Flair is up there um you know, CM Punk I liked because I thought he was really creative. He brought a very different edge to himself. Hulk Hogan was really good. Yeah. So, I mean, you could you could list some of these guys. But what people forget, and sure, wrestling isn't real, but it is a real sport. They travel on the road 330 days a year. Yeah. They're not just doing the Monday, Thursday night, and Sunday night pay-per-view. They're doing the Tuesday show in Omaha. Then they're going Wednesday to Sacramento. Then they're yeah. going Friday to Houston. They're playing all these house shows. They're doing all of these things, and they don't get a day off. And when you see guys last the the, the end of time and do this for more than five years, ten years, it can still come back. It's absolutely incredible. Ric Flair not only did it as a super young man, but even in his you know his older age, helped Charlotte get into the business. Still helping put younger guys over and being part of storylines. Um, I give credit to Vince McMahon because I recently read an article on him. You know, they were $2 million in the hole. They were, you know, they had their car repossessed. They couldn't make payments uh, for some of their bills and he stuck with it. And good for Linda with two kids also sticking with it. Look at the enterprise that he was able to build without a roadmap, without any sort of idea of what he was doing, but he had his own idea and figured out a way to get there. And now WWE is one of the most profitable businesses in the entire world. The brand itself is incredible. Own television network, uh, exclusive billion-dollar deal with Peacock. I mean, can you think of a of a CEO, owner, creator now, as great as Vince McMahon? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I say it all the time. Like, it's so admirable. Like, you, you watch how he grew this from nothing. I actually listened to, I think it was How I Built This, it was a podcast and they were, uh, they were talking about, um, or is, uh, no, it was the Monday night wars. Yeah. It was a podcast about the Monday night wars and like the, the behind the scenes of everything, like how much everything costs to build it, how it all came about. Um, and very, very cool story. And that's what it was. It's like, he took risk. He took chances. You know, there was no one helping him out. There was no like real okay you do this to make it succeed i mean listen we've seen it now with tesla 
and a lot of these other brands, like people are, you know, very impressed. Like it's so impressive when you, the risks these people are willing to take. It was, there was another one I watched on the history channel not too long ago. Um, actually, no, it was probably pretty long ago. Anyway, it was like the men who built America. Okay. You know, it was like, uh, you know, the Vanderbelts and the Rothschilds and stuff and how they built all this stuff. But these guys took an incredible risk at that time, you know, um, and everybody like kind of shits on it. Even like, I mean, Christopher Columbus gets so much hate. They're like, oh, he's this, he's that. Hold on. Back then, here's a better example. I, I always say Lewis and Clark, right? Lewis and Clark yep. set out across the country to discover whatever was on the other side of, you know, the, uh, the country. There was no cell phone. There was no car. Yeah, they had a bunch of people helping them out. But at the same time, they were like, hey, listen, we're going to take charge. We're going to make sure we get over there. Yeah. Figure this the fuck. Could you imagine, right? When people talk about it now, it's, there's roads and everything. You're going through wood, woods and there's not food. And like, what do you do, right? Do you realize how hard that would be? Like, no one today has the grit to do shit like that. No one's got everything we do now is like prepared. It's like, oh, make sure you take enough food with you and make sure you have a car to get you back. No one's setting across the country and doing that. Even if you were to deliver a message, right? I'm in New York. My family lives 30 miles away, right? If you're on foot or horseback, right? In the middle of the night and there's wild animals and there's no food, like, what do you do, right? Do, yeah. We just, we take for granted what, our ancestors and the people before us have done to expand, to build this, right? We're, we're too soft now, right? Everybody now is like, doesn't have the grit to do any of that shit. I don't, I don't have the balls to do that shit. As, as a parent, one of the things that is so disheartening to me is that they're no longer teaching cursive in school. So like kids aren't going to grow up knowing what a signature is because they don't need to use it as they get older. Everything is a tap everything is like a face ID or whatever. So they don't need yeah. to sign their name on anything, which to me is the most baffling thing. Cause I still sign like contracts and checks and yeah, yeah. you know, we, we bought a house and you know, you recently bought your new place in New York. If you were during COVID, we weren't signing anything. It was all like electronic signature. And that's the environment that kids are going to grow up with moving forward. And they're losing a very important skill. You may not use it every single day, but it's still an important skill to have when you sign yeah. your name and, you know, we're, they're going to miss out on that, which I think is, you know, just an indication of our times. But getting back to the challenge, you know, huge fan base globally, uh, similar to reality shows like Survivor and Big Brother. But the major difference is you get to see the same stars year after year. So you get to develop these guys. You get to build rivalries. You get to see, <laughs> pardon me, see all the bad blood come out. At your challenge apex, were you getting recognized by fans everywhere you went? They do have like the college bros wanting to test themselves against you or even the ladies shooting their shot with Mr. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, the internet wasn't what it was. I mean, I got off TV in like 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. So Twitter, or I guess Instagram was just coming up. Yeah. Like I didn't even know. I thought it was just a filtering system for pictures. Um, <laughs> And that's then, what it was though right what was it not that's what i thought it that's, that's what, what it, started it started as yeah um and then uh facebook had come out like the senior year my senior year like montclair state had just got it um and then uh twitter kind of popped up but twitter's you know it, what you get 150 characters or something <laughs> um 
I don't even know why people still use that fucking thing. Every time I see somebody's <laughs> like, oh, they wrote this on Twitter. I'm like, who's still using Twitter? Um, so for me, it's like, yeah, it would always be in person, you know, either conflict or confrontation or whatever it was. Um, I had, yeah, I mean, sure. I always say I got a lot of women I don't deserve only because I was on television. A lot of beautiful women who would not piss on me if I was on fire. Um, but since I was on television, I guess that made it okay. Um, but uh, at the same time, uh, yeah, there were, there were guys who were, you know, I mean, especially in New Jersey. I mean, we're known for jerk-offs, right? <laughs> New Jersey produces everything, especially jerk-offs. Um, so it was like every time I went out to a bar, I, I'd get into an argument with some douchebag, you know, Guido idiot um, who wanted to, you know, test me. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, the first couple of times I got in trouble, that's why. You know, I've gotten sued over it and stuff. Like, you get into fist fights in bars. And I'm like, I didn't even do anything. This guy's heckling me for two hours. I finally punched him in the face. And now I'm a vigilante. So. You're, the new, you're the New Jersey Batman. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> um, so I, I want to shoot you some rapid fire questions. I just want you to give me the first name that comes to your mind when I ask you. Cool? Sure. All right. Most competitive person you've competed against on the challenge? Derek. Biggest party animal? Johnny. Okay. Uh, least favorite type of challenge? Uh. Anything deep underwater. I was, gonna go, I was thinking puzzles, but okay, deep underwater. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, like puzzle, you're like, ah, at least I can figure this fuck out. Like when you gotta go underneath, like when you gotta equalize and go underneath the water, it's hard. Especially when it's super cold. Like your right. head feels like it's about to explode. Okay. Uh favorite country you got to compete in? Uh South Africa. Okay. Uh participant most likely to start a fight. CT. Okay, your biggest rival. Wes. Uh, person you'd like to compete in a final with the most. On my team? Yes. Uh, Evan. Okay, good Canadian boy. Uh, <laughs> most overrated challenge participant. CT. So I knew you were going to say this. So it brings me into my next point. It's interesting that you say CT because you two have had a few run-ins on the show, including a much talked about wrestling match back in Inferno three. What are your feelings towards CT? And does anyone have the real footage of what happened between you two? I mean, yeah, it's on there. There was, uh, you know, he, dude, the guy's a freak athlete. He really is. I mean, I don't know how he is now, but 10 years ago, you know, 15 years ago, the guy could jump, you know, he's super athletic. Uh, I think the problem with him is politics came so bad. Right. right? Uh, like even, it, even the shows that I was on, he never had like a good politics. Game. He was never, you know, no one could ever trust him. And stuff. Um, yeah. But we, uh, I was making fun. He, he was shitting on everybody in the house. We got to the Inferno three and he was just riding everybody. Right, like shit on A, shit on this one, that one, you know, who's ever there. And he, um, so I started making fun of him because I just hated the fact that he was like picking on everybody. Each other. So I started making fun of him and he got mad and we wrestled in the living room real quick and I like took him to the ground. Didn't like that. 
and he didn't like that. So he comes up behind me, and this is the thing that I, I see it all the time. I mean, he's got all these iconic moments because I feel like the show always was like, oh, we got to point him as the bad boy. Right. He like came up behind me. I'm like talking to Ace and Alton and shit, and he comes up behind me and like starts choking. So like, yeah, he puts me in a rear neck of choke from behind when no one's expecting it. Like, of right. course. So um, everyone's like, oh, he choked you out. And I was like, all right, let's go outside. That's when it really, I go, let's go outside. And he's like, I'm going to lump you up. I'm going to lump I did go, dude, do whatever you think you're going to do. <laughs> go ahead. So he's like setting up and stuff. And I just double legged him to his back. And then I had, then he, we were rolling around on the ground. I like kind of shoved his face into the ground. And that's when his nose started. Right. And Eric was like, oh, he's like, you, you made my nose. And he's screaming at me and we're having this argument. I was like, dude. And then he's like, I'm going to hit you. I'm like, dude, hit me. Hit me. Because I'm like, here, I'm going to get two things out of this. One, I'm going to fucking, we're really going to go at it. Yeah. You know? And two, you're going to leave. I'm waiting right. for you to hit me first. Like, hit me first. So I, it's, yeah. you're done. And, you know, we'll, we'll end this now. Right. Um, because he, he is a good competitor. Right. Like he could do some pretty impressive shit. Um, so I go, all right, you know, let's go. And um, that's kind of how it ended. And it, like everybody separated and shit. Everybody just wants to be a part of the action. Everybody wants to be a part of something. Like when I saw two people fighting or like shit was going down, like when we were on the ruins with Darrell and, uh, and Brad, like yeah. they were having this argument. I'm like, let them kill each other. Yeah. Go ahead. Because I, I don't want to get involved. You got your two grown men. You're having an argument. I want no part of it. When I started to see Darrell pummel him to the ground and almost kill this kid, I'm like, all right, now we got to stop it. Um, but it was just a drunken argument between the two of them. And then that night on the Inferno, I wasn't even drinking. He was all fucked up. Right. You know? So, um, you know, you'll rarely see me drunk or partying and shit like that. And that was sort of your MO for being on the challenge, right? Like you were there to compete and to win. You were there to have a good time. You were there to play the politics, but you weren't there to waste time and yeah. drinking and getting into stupid fights and getting kick off the show would be completely opposite of what you were trying to accomplish. And yeah. like I said, you know, seven finals, eight shows, the proof is in the pudding. It's good to know that New Jersey Batman took down Bane uh, on Inferno three, which I absolutely love. And, you know, CT's a guy who's had some longevity. He's, had some relationships uh, on the challenge, things that, as you say, you know, they really made him, they really pointed out his good side and his bad side. They really attached I, their star I, to CT. Well, here's, yeah, here's my thing. It's like, they've always painted him in such a good light. It's like, you know, I'm all the shit that's happened with me. It's like, I, I'm sure we'll discuss that later on down the road, but at the same time, it's like, here's a guy who's constantly violent. Right. Yeah. And he constantly, like, everybody's like, oh, it's okay. You just beat the shit out of a guy half the size of him. You punch this guy, or hit this guy, or he did this, or he did that. It's like, and they'd always bring him back like he was like this enforcer, right? Like, they'd always be like, oh, here he comes to enforce. And then you're like, you're you're only building his star, right? You're, you're giving him this role. You're giving him this platform. And it's like, oh, he's this dude who hit a bunch of people. He's this bad guy. And now you're bringing him in and, like, putting him in this light. You're like, oh, look, he's... He's the best the show has to offer. Let's send him out there, you know. And this is this is where I feel like uh, 
Johnny gets painted in an ugly light a little bit more than a guy like CT. And maybe Johnny has yeah. changed. I think MTV has definitely seen, okay, Johnny's been here forever and, and people are starting to think of him differently. So why don't we change the narrative so he can be the good guy against some of these young guys? But yeah. I mean, you, you brought it up. Obviously you had a great eight year run on the challenge. Um, and then that was sort of it went off into the limelight. We're not going to be on future challenge shows because of, you know, some things that may have happened but you still have or may, not have, or may not have happened. Yes. Alleged to have happened for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, what is it like for you? I mean, obviously you probably don't think about it too much because you don't seem like the type to dwell on things in the past, but you know, what are your feelings where, you know, you're no longer being invited back to a show because of an incident that may or may not have happened, but you see someone who consistently has bullied people has drank too much who may have, been doing other extracurricular things as well as you know physically assaulting people and yet we're gonna we're gonna build this guy up and kenny just was it because you were too dominant is that is it like you johnny and no. evan were you guys just too good and they were like i can't get rid of johnny but we have the perfect excuse to remove kenny and evan from the show yeah i, I do i think it was their decision now because they, i had gotten a call a couple years later okay and they're like would you be interested and i'm like no I don't, I want to have nothing to do with it. You know, I'll do like shit like this, like some fan stuff here and there, because obviously they had nothing to do with it, but it really kind of pissed me off the way it was handled. Right. And I wish I could say more, but like, I never drifted off into the distance. And I, I know yeah. on my father's fucking grave, I did nothing wrong. I didn't okay. do anything. Um, and I'm allowed to say that. And, you know, no one's heard or seen from this other person. For reasons you could imagine. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a lot of bullshit that was thrown in there. And when certain people who had created this story were asked to talk about it, no one wanted anything to do with it because now, now you're incriminating yourself. Right. right? So, um, so it started off as like bullshit and it became a really serious thing, you know, and I blame myself for putting my, putting myself in that situation, right? Sure. Like I, I put myself around people who are uh, basically, you know, uh, not careful with their own lives and other people around them, right? They're, they just, they just don't care. They're reckless with right. their own life and with other people's lives. Um, and I'll die, you know, knowing and saying that, like I constantly get trolls and assholes who are like, oh, this and that. I'm like, Look, read the story again, right? right. The, the 85 fucking renditions of it. Um, you know, put the facts together um, and, you know, come up with your own decision if you still think that of me. Now, if I had 50 fucking accusations against me, I'm, I'm almost 40 years old. Multiple, sure. people, multiple people came out and said X, Y, and Z, fine, right? Everybody from that cast and the crew has spoken out for me and has said nothing but positive things, but nobody sure. cares to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. Susie, Sarah, were both there in the house, in the room, living with us constantly, who are both victims of, you know, real sexual assault. Yeah. And they both spoke out saying that didn't happen. It's not, ha it didn't happen. And, you know, but people still want to, they, people love drama. People love bullshit, you know? 
Um, of course. So, you know, I'm a victim of that. But again, there were, there were two, three years of my life where that was really fucking bearing down on my brain, you know, and really kind of hurting everything I tried to do. And it still has. It's been 10 years, 12 years. And it still affects business and things that I try to do. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't let it stop me. Like, right. I've been denied things and I've been shot down. Huge opportunities, huge fucking awesome opportunities have been taken away from me. I, it eats me up for like a day or two and I'm like, fuck it, I have to move on. You know, and I try to lead by example. Like, I'm never going to tell you to go run a marathon having never ran one myself. I'm never going to try to tell you to overcome mental blocks and bullshit in your life and people wanting to hold you down. People love shitting on other people. I don't follow other people that I don't care for and don't like. Right. I don't hate on people. There's no point in me wasting my energy to comment on people's pages that I don't care for, I hate, or whatever. It's wasted energy. Could you imagine if these fucking losers, these trolls, would take that energy and put it towards themselves, right? Because yeah. it, in the moment, it feels good to be like, oh, you're a piece of shit. Because It's like, what do you give a fuck? It's been 20 fucking years, right? It's it's not even true. And this is what you're going to what? This is your crusade. This is what you... Why don't you do something for yourself? Right? And I, I, I'm willing to bet money that if you responded to any one of these people, it would yeah. make their day. And not in a uh, negative 100%. way. You would be any- like, oh... Man, I'm such a fan. Like, I'm just, you know, so thankful yeah. that you responded and you get a whole different side, but they're just doing this for reasons that are not truthful, I've, reasons that are not good. Yeah, I've said this all the time, like, since I was on the show, you know, like, you asked if I ever had people test me or try to, if I ever met pro athletes, other celebrities or actors, actresses, or any, they were always like the nicest people. Like, here's somebody who has their own shit going on. They're not trying to test you. It's always like the fucking, construction guy at the bar who fucking hates my guts because I'm on TV. It's like, dude, this is the life I chose and you chose that route, right? Yeah. So why do you fucking hate me? You hate your, you're pissed off that you're going to get up tomorrow morning and fucking put a railroad together. I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. That's not my life. It's like, if you want something different, instead of being pissed off at the guy, like you, you should never look at, I should never look at you and be like, oh man, this guy's got a sick podcast. Fuck him. Why don't I have a podcast? Jerk off because you didn't do it, right? You you sacked up, you spent the money, you did what you had to do, you contacted different people and you're doing, you're living your dream. You're like, now more than ever before, everyone can live their dream. Yep. For me, I wanted to wake up in a place every morning. I want to wake up and go to a place I want it to be every day, right? Even on television. There were days, I fucking most days, I hated being there. People are like, do you miss it? I'm like, no, it's fucking miserable filming. I hate it. You're, somebody's your boss. Somebody's telling you when to get up, when to eat. You have to be here. You have to be there. You got to go sit in a fucking interview for three hours. I make my own schedule. I go to the gym. I love my clients. I love what I do. I enjoy my day to day. And I realized that years ago that like I needed to find something that my life wasn't just Friday afternoon to Sunday afternoon. It was right. Monday to Sunday. I needed to find something that I enjoyed doing that I loved to do. And the gym was that for me. I would sneak out and go to the gym. I would work out during the challenges. I would work out in the middle of work. Like any, I'm like, I just like, I enjoy going to the gym. That's what I love to do. I geek out on the shit. I'm going to spend the next, this weekend and the weekend after that, going to seminars, learning more, trying to be 
like even if I pick up one thing, I'm like, oh, I'm a better coach. I'm a little bit better. Like I'm, I'm, I'm crafting this ability to help people get better. And I truly fucking believe that I would die on that sword because that's what I enjoy doing. That I see it every day. Like somebody get tweaks themselves a little bit better and a little bit better. No one leaves the gym upset. No one's like, I shouldn't have done that workout. Like I love the environment. I love what I do. And, and you know what? I look at it. I blame responsibly. Yes. It took me away from doing the show and that I was really good at. Right. Like I was doing, I was hosting shit. I was, I was had a great fucking trajectory and then it was all taken away and that's fine. Right. And I move on to the next thing. And it led me to this, which I fucking love. I love this more than I love that. Um, you know, would I like to have the option and have the ability to do other shit? Sure. But at the same time, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, I have no, uh, regrets. I mean, it's obviously I, there was, situation out of my control but what i can control is what i do next and what i'm doing right now and i think that's what people need to understand it's like you're not going to be able to control every aspect of your life there's shit that's going to happen but you have to move on you have to fucking pick yourself up off the ground and keep moving you know and that's that's what i tried to do and it's like i'll still get shit here and there but you have to take it from where it comes from right am i going to listen to some fucking loser on Instagram being like, Oh, I hate you. And it's like, great. Get a like. <laughs> yeah. My, my grandma used to always have these words of wisdom and that was, you know, what's meant for you was meant for you. And if you're not getting it, it's because it wasn't meant for you. And so, yeah. you know, you were meant to be on the challenge and dominate for seven out of your eight seasons. And then you were meant to do something different. So I got one last challenge question before we move on to what that something different is. It's no secret. You're friends with Johnny bananas, AKA the challenge goat. He's had his fair share of glory as well as some controversy, including one of the most savage endings to a challenge in its history. For those who don't know or don't remember, Johnny won Rivals 3 with then-partner Sarah and had the choice to split the money or keep it all. He decided to take the money and run, leaving Sarah completely deflated. Absolute savagery. Has (laughs) Has Johnny ever talked to you about this? And if you had to choose one person from any of your winning teams to stiff on a grand prize, who would it be? Um, well, I thought we, w- we would have won rivals one. Um, okay. we, I mean, we had that in the bag. We were crushing that. And then they, they flipped the script at the last minute. We were ahead by 45 fucking minutes and they yeah. took our lead away just cause it would made good TV. Um, so they, they really screwed us on that because the last part was like this climb up a mountain. Um, and then we had to find those beacons and we would have, we had such a lead on them that we were crushing. And Johnny and Tyler were, uh, were so far behind us when we got up to the mountain. Um, but yeah, we were ahead for like 45 minutes. So we, we should have won that me and Wes. And yeah, I, I'd, I wouldn't have stiffed him. I wouldn't have as much as I, I'd like to believe I could and just tell him to fuck off. I wouldn't have done it. It's just, you know, you're there, you know, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to know and believe that I would, I would not have stepped in. Johnny's a different type of savage. Johnny's a, that's what savage. makes him great, but that's what makes him so good. I mean, he's, you know, he is, he is the challenge. You know, if you ask me, um, nobody deserves it more than him because even when I was there and he, like he, he ate, slept and breathed. Johnny was the guy who would get mad if we were out. And people didn't know who we were. 
you know, he would be like, fuck them, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, they don't know. They don't watch it. Who cares? But he, get, you know, he was, and just the way he handles himself and, you know, what he's done, he's been through a lot of shit. He's done it. You know, nobody's done it better than him. Nobody's dominated more than him. Um, and I'm happy for him. You know, a lot of people are like, well, that should I'm like, you know, yeah, shoulda, coulda, woulda, who cares? You know, at the end of the day, I'm so happy it's him. Now, COVID hits in early 2020, basically shuts the world down. Businesses are forced to close. People begin to work remotely. And for someone like you who opens a gym and has created this interaction-based community, what was yeah. your initial thought process for how you were going to attack this challenge? And what are some of the ways that you became successful during a year where most people weren't? Um, it, it's just that mentality. Like you can't stop. You won't stop. Right. Like I could have easily like kind of curled up in a ball and said like, Oh, I can't do anything. This sucks. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I knew what I needed and I'm sure if I needed it, right. Some of the best things I ever created were the things that I was like, Oh, I really want to do this. Or I'd like to do this. Um, and I'm sure somebody else would too. Um, so that's what I started doing. I just started doing shit that I enjoyed. Um, I went to the park, I had a TRX, bought a bunch of them actually i got a trx and i got a couple kettlebells and i was buying up equipment right away because i'm like i don't know when gyms and you know shit's gonna open again so i need to figure this out um so i bought a bunch of stuff and uh started going to the park and started working out for myself and you know i put it on instagram and you know two people became four four became six six became 12 and then towards the end i'd have like 50 something people in a class and it was it was it was fun. It was exciting. Like I look forward to going to the park. It was something I never really did before, but I, you know, I, I was carrying at one point, probably 200 pounds worth of shit, like a kettlebell, two smaller kettlebells in a bag, a battle rope, a TRX. I had all this shit because I, I just wanted to give my clients the best experience. I'm like, I'll make it as close to the gym as possible. Um, so I was dragging shit to the gym. I bought a little like hand cart, you know, um, like a little old lady. Yeah. No, like I had like a, like a construction part, like, a, oh, okay. like what you would carry paint and shit in. Um, Cause I needed strong enough to carry all these kettlebells. I had kettlebells and dumbbells and you know, anything, I, a landmine a barbell. Like I had so much shit. Um, when other people in the park started like buying cones, I started buying more equipment. Like, right. I just always wanted to one up everybody. Um, when, you know, when people started coming more, I bought a boom box, you know, I got okay. this net. Yeah. Um, so I got this like loud ass boombox. So it, even if you didn't see me, you heard me. Um, and that's what I did. I just always like, that's the game. It's just the way I played the, the game on the challenge too. It's like, if everybody's working out, I'm going to work out a little hard, right? That's all I got is the grit. So I just need to outwork everybody else. I'm not the best. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the strongest. Um, but I'll fucking outwork most people. So you've completed Ironman's marathons triathlons and the challenge which one of these did you find the most challenging and is there any other competition that you haven't tried yet that you'd like to one day complete yeah for sure i mean there's so much more i actually love to do uh i really want to do a go ruck uh that's definitely on my list i've done the every version of the spartan race i've done every <laughs> version of the tough mutter i've done all that shit um you know, I'd love to do, uh, I really want to do the Alcatraz triathlon. Okay. Um, that's really cool. I'd like to do, uh, like Placid Ironman and I'd like to do, uh, eventually, you know, as I get older, I'll probably do more 
endurance training. Uh, maybe eventually do Kona. Hawaii. Okay. Uh, I like the, I like the variability and, you know, a lot of the changing, changing, uh, kind of work and, tr- and aspect of not just running. I like the idea of like climbing or, uh, biking or swimming. Like I like other aspects of, uh, not just one dimensional the whole time. I like to change it up. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of races I'd like to continue to do. I've done a ton of CrossFit stuff, which was like, it's not so much endurance piece, but it, it definitely tests your mind and your body for sure. And this is, this is why you thrived in the challenge because it was more than just one singular thing. It was a culmination of all of these different activities. The last question I want to ask you before I let you go, cause it's getting late when you are, uh, embracing young ladies in 2020 and 2021 mm-hmm. on Instagram on, well, not on Twitter. We know you don't like Twitter on Facebook and you hit them with the monocle eye emoticon. What does that mean for them? Uh, me, what's it mean for them? I have no idea. I, they're probably like this fucking old creep. Um, uh, and you've really done your research. Uh, I, it just means I'm inquisitive. I'm, I'm interested. You know, I'm, uh, I'm interested in getting to know you more. Um, you know, there's such a stigma with dating and stuff these days. Like everybody's playing the same game, but everybody acts like they're not. Um, but you know, you eventually the goal, I think for everybody and anybody, right. If you're looking for it, you're never going to find it. Right. If it kind of just happens, um, that's where the magic happens, right? Like anything I, that's ever good came out of my life it was never because I was looking for it. It's kind of just what becomes of the situation that you're in at that point. Um, you know, the last relationship I had, I wasn't looking for it. It just kind of happened. Um, so I take it the same way. It's like, sure, I, we've all kind of messed around and uh, had our fair share of the uh, of whatever we want to have, what, whatever we're into. Um, but for me, it's like, yeah, I, I'd like to eventually meet somebody that kind of, you know, could put me in my place. So, right. But until then, people still keep getting that monocle. <laughs> uh, ladies, if you get the monocle, it is not him wanting to play a game of Monopoly. It is because <laughs> he is interested. Now, uh, you know, Kenny, obviously, thank you for being so gracious with your time today. Uh, if people want to grab some merch, which, you know, I found myself perusing earlier today to get one of those strong New York hoodies. Um, if they want to train with you online using the ladder app or even for the ladies, if they want to hit you on social media, where can they find you? Uh, at Kenny Santucci. If you want any of the strong merch, it's uh, at uh, or strongnewyorkshop.com. Um, strong, follow Strong New York on Instagram. Um, you know, I'm trying to be hip to the millennial uh, Gen Z generation. So I'm on Twitter or uh, what the fuck, TikTok. Okay. So I'm on TikTok now. I'm not good at it. I'm horrible. I don't even know how to use it. Um, I'm so bad. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, that's it. I mean, just follow me at Kenny Santucci. Uh, that's kind of where my stuff is. And then strong New York is where all my like classes are. Um, but yeah, like you, like you mentioned before, I mean, I'm just trying to grow that brand, trying to do what I love. You know, I, I want to collaborate with other brands that I really like and people that I really love. And I think that's where the joy comes from is kind of just following what you want to do. 
you'll become really good at it if you're doing what you love. So Beautiful. don't forget to send me that artist behind you. I'm definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I know. I'll, uh, I'll send you the profile for sure. And, uh, I'll, uh, I'll let them know that, uh, that you're coming to looking, um, yeah. for my guest, Kenny Santucci, I'm your host, Julian Ortiz, the big old podcast available on an Apple podcast. So make sure you subscribe and leave a review also available on Spotify, Google podcast, or wherever you get your podcast with full videos available on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe, hit the notification button to keep up to date with all of future episodes for my guest, Kenny Santucci. I'm your host, Julian Ortiz. Thank you for watching and listening. Everyone have a great night.